Last week, we began a three-part series on the mission of our church, what we are about, what, uh, what it is that God is calling us to do and to be. And uh, we began with uh, taking a look at the wise men and how the wise men really are all about transformation. So today, uh, we have the opportunity to do something a little bit different here. Um, we, as a congregation, are a very generous congregation. We give away a significant portion of what we receive to other ministries. And uh, today, uh, Susan Holowicki, who has a ministry in Peru, uh, is missionary there and, and serves the Lord there, uh, is with us. She's here uh, in our area, so we thought we would bring her in and do uh, this a little bit different thing, where as uh, a significant portion of our sermon message today, I'm going to be interviewing Susan. So that's why we see these two chairs up here, and you thought that somebody just forgot to remove them, right? <laughs> that somebody just left them here. No, no, these things are here for a purpose. And uh, so I'm going to call on Susan, why don't you come on up, and uh, we get to learn a little bit more about what it means to respond to God's call, and uh, what it means to uh, uh, be transformed people, okay? Susan, thanks for being with us today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Susan, uh, and by the way, we, we do this three times, so uh, it's, it'd be interesting to see where the Lord leads with the questions and, and things like that with each, with each service. But um, we, uh, Susan, we, as a congregation, we studied Experiencing God this last fall and, and learned more about what it means to listen to God's voice and to uh, hear His invitation and respond to that invitation. And today uh, is, is also baptism of our Lord Sunday, which means that you know, we've got that Bible passage where we see Jesus who uh, has that turning point in his life and the beginning of his ministry where he uh, goes into the world and, and, and does as his Father says. Now, you received a call to uh, step out of uh, uh, the path that you had been taking to make a radical, I guess, um, new direction in, in life because you heard from God. Tell us about that call in your life and, and your response to that call. Well, it began with my relationship with the Lord. I grew up in a denomination. I grew up in church, but in a denomination that did not te- teach about a personal relationship with Jesus. And so when I was in my 20s, I heard the gospel, I think, almost literally for the first time. And God was preparing my heart to receive the gospel, and I did, and he received me, and I felt passionately in love with Jesus Christ. And I began to worship him daily, spend time in the word of God, and one day I was doing exactly what that song said. It was very moving for me this morning. Um, I just said, here I am, God. Wherever you want to take me, whatever you want with my life, here I am. And he actually spoke into my life that day by giving me a a mental picture of myself, sort of like a vision, but a mental picture of myself working with with, uh, a malnourished child. And I wanted to show that child the love of Jesus Christ. I was holding him in my arms, and he was uh, extremely malnourished, covered with sores and lice. And and I knew he would need physical help as well, and he would need to feel Jesus' love. Amen. Now, you... you are from this area, correct? Yes, I'm from Allen Park. Okay. Right here. And uh, so you went from here, uh, not directly to Peru, but, uh, but somebody, someplace else first. Tell us about that. Yes, I went to, uh, originally to Guatemala, and I served in our mission house there. That was where Missionary Ventures uh, began its work um, about 28 years ago. And uh, from there, I went to Nicaragua, 
and then Peru. So why Peru? Well, when I was in Guatemala, I took a team trip with Guatemalans, a prayer mission. And we were to go to, there were teams sent out all over the world um, to pray on the uttermost parts of every continent. And we went to Peru to pray on the farthest western part of Peru, as you can see up there. Uh, And it was Punta, Punta Negra. And uh, we were staking a claim that that continent would be given over to Jesus Christ. And so um, God put a love for Peru in my heart that, at that time, that I would one day be back. All right. And uh, so, so you went out with Nicaraguans. So you went to Nicaragua to minister to Nicaraguans, but the Nicaraguans then went around the world to pray for the world? Is that what you're saying? Actually, it was Guatemalans. If I said okay, Nicaragua, did I say okay. Nicaragua? All right. Either, either way, I mean, either way. okay. <laughs> it was Guatemalans, yes, okay. with the passion they had, which right. is really awesome. They had a missionary in Peru at that time. Wow, the Guatemalans had a missionary yeah. in Peru. That's, that's tremendous. Um, tell, tell us more about um, if we were to meet a Peruvian uh, from your area, what would their life be like? Uh, what is their situation in life like? In my particular area, I work uh, literally at the end of the road uh, in a town called Yurimaguas. It was on the map earlier. You would take a road up from Lima, Uh, That's the capital where the majority of the population lives in Peru. And you could drive straight north and cross over the Andes Mountains and come into the the rainforest or the Amazon basin, we usually say. Uh, It's hot and steamy, and uh, there's a mix of people. Uh, In in, in countries like Peru, they use the term mestizo, and that means Spanish-Indian mix. Uh, So in the town where I live, it's mostly mestizos. However, we happen to work with this particular tribe called the Shawi tribe, which is its own culture, has its own language, uh, completely different, and live. Uh, it was a nomadic tribe that lived very primitively until really actually recently. Here uh, in, in this series especially, we're talking about how uh, the goal of the church really the, is, is to experience lives that are transformed by Jesus Christ. So how have you seen lives transformed by Jesus Christ, by, by meeting the living God in, in Peru, in your ministry? Um, it, it's very exciting for us because we've been working uh, for over 10 years with the Shawi tribe, and the gospel had been preached there. And what had happened in the last few years is a wonderful renewal of the Holy Spirit, um, uh, a true transformation that began to take place with the revival. Actually, that man right there, Cecilio, has been responsible for quite a bit of it. Um, People began to see God move in, in marvelous, uh, miraculous ways, and people just began to be touched. Churches that were nominal, even pastors that were nominal, that were actually drinking a fermented yucca beer called masato. That's what this tribe lived on um, all day long. You started drinking it at 5 in the morning. You drank another cup at 7 with your brother-in-law. The school children drank it at, in the morning or at 10 in, uh, in the morning on their breaks. Often the children couldn't study well. They would pass out on their desk because it was a high carbohydrate with traces of alcohol. If you let the masato sit up to four days, it becomes very potent alcohol. So there, the, the Christians were nominal. They were walking one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and they would still drink masato, and sometimes even the pastors would, who had been trained would preach high on masato. But as the renewal came in, we began to see the pastors and all preaching against it, people leaving Masato and understanding for them it was an addiction and something they had to leave behind, 
and they, they left that behind, and we began to see just a, a, a transformation that began spiritually in the, in the spiritual work first, but then it also began to change their lives because they were nomadic. They were hunters and gatherers, but their fish is fished out, and their game has gone farther back in, and they can't live that way anymore. They have to farm, and they have great farmland, but they don't know how to use it, and their only tool is usually a machete. You know, that's a big, like, saber-looking like thing. And they use that for everything. And so they had to be trained in agriculture. So not only did they become renewed and stop drinking masato and walking in holiness with the Lord, um, they also, I saw a transformation, a physical transformation, as they began to understand, hey, if I'm a dad and I want to provide for my family, I have to learn to farm. And that's what part of our ministry is, is teaching um, agriculture on a farm. How about uh, certain individuals, if you could describe for us uh, particular people whose lives were changed by the Lord through your ministry? Um, That is one focus of our ministry, working with the Shawi tribe in Uh spiritual transformation and agriculture transformation. We also have um, a home in town called the Hogar Materno that began taking in women with high-risk pregnancies. Now, that's located right in my my town of Yurimaguas. And we opened it uh, with uh, an agreement with the Ministry of Health to take in women who lived on all those waterways because literally we're the end of the road. North of us is just jungle and rivers. So we would take women into the Ogar, and they would receive shelter there. And remember, they're a high-risk pregnancy. If they go into labor way upriver and have a, a problem there, before help can come or they can come all the way in, might take a day, or it's a small plane flight, if they can arrange all that and get into town, they may die. So they, the ministry, actually the World Health Organization, does not want mothers to die. They don't want the baby to die. So we're a shelter for those women. We receive those women. Also, uh, we eventually began to take in malnourished uh, children. Um, eventually, over time, the Ministry of Health asked us to recuperate a baby who was eight months old. What they didn't tell us was that he weighed five pounds. And very similar to Nadim that you see here in the photo, uh, we uh, renourish these children. And the, the best part is after her recovery photos next, she recovered healthy and strong. But in the next shot, you'll see a mom who came in with her son, uh, little Julio. Well, we didn't want to just take care of those babies. We want to see those babies' lives restored, and we want to see them strong and healthy like you see in this photo. But the best part is that Esther, his mom, came to the Lord while she was with us. Her mm. life was transformed. She received Christ, and she was baptized. Mm. Amen. Um, I understand that there's uh, groups of people that come on mission trips, short-term mission trips to uh, your ministry. Tell us about that. What, what does that involve? Yes, we've had some teams actually from St. Michael. We've had folks come out like, uh, Greg Anderson and Barb and Judy, who's this, someone's in here today, can't locate you at the moment. Um, but we have teams, uh, people using their gifts, whatever they are. Um, we have folks that come to the farm that have helped us uh, uh, put technology on our farm, build, put in uh, gutters to catch water, to put in water tanks, to have a water feed system on our farm. Uh, we had a vet come in and teach uh, animal diseases to a group of our young men. And we had, in the last photo, uh, Phil is a mechanic from Canada. Uh, he's, a, he's an engineer, actually, in charge of Kubota, Canada. <laughs> and, but he taught 
and repaired up to 50 boat motors he repaired, and he taught this group of our disciples how to repair their own boat motors. And in the next shot is a medical team that came in. His wife, Jeanette, is there in the back, farther back. She's a nurse. And we went way upriver to administer health care to people who will rarely even go to a doctor. And we see things that you will never see. I can't even put them on the slides. They're so graphic, some of the terrible wounds or diseases that... So a team can impact and save a life in that way, or you can come into the Ogar and hold a baby and minister to a, an, the children. We have several children that are now uh, ab- that were abused and abandoned, and we're raising children in the Ogar now. And or we had teams help build all of the Ogar. Uh, could you translate that word for us, Ogar, and and also uh, you, you've got these mission teams that come there. They they speak. Uh, Michigan, okay. Uh, they they don't Andrews. they don't speak uh, Peruvian and various dialects. What what do they what do they speak there? How how do they communicate with these people? Through a translator. Okay. Through a translator. I can't even speak Shawi. I actually, okay. the most Shawi men speak good or or fairly good Spanish, and I'm fluent in Spanish, so I can communicate with the men. But I, actually, to speak with the women, I have to speak through a translator. So it can be done. I can still minister to those ladies, and the same with the teams. The teams can. Uh, work through a translator, and a hug doesn't need a translation. And actually laying a brick doesn't need a translation yeah. either. So what does that word mean, Hogar? Okay, sorry. Yeah. That means home. Okay. And so we chose maternal home, and we used Hannah because okay. uh, we wanted the children to be dedicated to the Lord like Samuel's mother dedicated uh, him, Amen. Hannah. All right. Um, just to kind of pull things back here a little bit, uh, I understand that uh, you had a um, you, you graduated from which high school first of all? Allen Park. High. Allen Park High School, and there's somebody else in our midst, a notable uh, person among us, who also graduated from Allen Park High School the exact same year that you did. And who is that? That is our very own Sulu Kasik. <laughs> all right. And so, having grown up in in the area here, you know a thing or two about this area. I'm going to ask you to to give us. Uh, perspective from a missionary's eyes, okay, through a missionary's eyes. Um, In uh, the Great Commission version that's in the book of Acts, it talks about reaching your Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Peru, I think, qualifies as the ends of the earth, which is (laughs) why you were praying on the edge of that continent, perhaps, um, one one thing anyway. And uh, yet, how do we reach our Jerusalem and, and Judea here in Canton and Plymouth? Uh, First of all, praying, praying, praying over the area, uh, praying in every way. And second, going, just going, offering yourself to the Lord, as Romans 12 also says, as a living sacrifice, that's part of it, and that's part of what he's called us to do. There's a hurting world out there, and it's, we see, it's hard for me to come back in the United States and see the changes that are going on all the time, um, often for the worst um, morally. Um, but people inside are the same. They're still hurting, and they still need to hear about Jesus Christ, about salvation, that there's uh, forgiveness for sin, that they're loved by God. So going. Amen. You know, I loved uh, what you were talking about last night, too, with... Uh, your mother's example, and uh, contrasting that with you know some other examples there, if you would share that with us as well. Yes, my mom's 87, 
And I'm really grateful I've been spending time with her. Uh, when I come back to Michigan, I can actually land in my childhood home, which is uh, for a missionary, especially a single missionary. It's just a, a great blessing because we feel kind of rootless most of the time. Um, and she told me that her calling was to go to nursing homes and to comfort people in nursing homes. At 87, gets in her car and drives and grateful help, that she can Help the old drive. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's and she's so grateful she has her health, and, her, and some of her friends are in those nursing homes now. And she goes to visit them, and then she'll see someone else, and she comforts them, so uh, and shares Jesus with them. So, uh-huh. or like me, you go to the what we call the end of the road, or going into the jungle. You do feel like you're at the, the uttermost parts of the earth. All right. Yeah. Way upriver. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, the people here. Uh, you've talked a, a lot about uh, various ways that God is working there, but uh, just to kind of, again, bring that home a little bit more, it's good to know when, when we uh, give a substantial uh, amount of what the Lord has given to us away, um, the fruit that that is, is, uh, is bringing forth. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that? How is the, this church impacting what is taking place in your ministry there in Peru? Well, we couldn't do it without you. We all work together, um, and we all share the rewards. I may be the one that's called to go um, to live in Yurimaguas and then from there travel further on upriver, um, but I couldn't do it without your love and support and prayers and giving. I, it, we all work together to do that, so St. Michael has had a big impact. Um, whether you really knew me or not or knew my face or not, um, what we're doing there, it, it is a fruit of what you are doing to help us. Amen. All right. Well, we really thank you for being here today. And I'm going to invite um, elders, uh, council members to come on up. We're going to pray over Susan. As you come on up, I just want to kind of tie some of these things together for us in our series. And that is that, uh, you know, what we're hearing today is is a way that uh, we as a congregation are reaching out uh, even to the ends of the earth, ends of the road, ends of the earth, and, and uh, trying to uh, see that people are connected to the living God in many different ways. We do that here locally. Uh, we do that to the ends of the earth. And it's important to, uh, to see how God is transforming lives here as well as elsewhere. And I, I don't know about you, but I think it's exciting to see that this, this mission extends far beyond, far beyond us, far beyond our borders right here. Uh, but it also includes our borders. So uh, you know, to talk about what that means to be a missionary here as well as, as in a place like Peru. Come on up and we'll, we'll pray over Susan. And Lord God, we lift Susan up to you now. We thank you for her. And we pray your blessing on her and her life and her ministry, Lord God, that uh, she would be truly encouraged by seeing the fruits of her labors, Lord that through her, Lord God, you would be drawing people to yourself, connecting them with you, the living God, and transforming lives, Lord, even in greater abundance than what you have done in the past. Lord, we pray a prayer of protection around her, Lord, for her travels and a protection around her there in Peru as well. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who's come into this world, Lord, to transform lives, transform lives of people that we don't even know in a place like Peru, as well as, Lord God, transform lives in in among our neighbors and among ourselves, Lord. We pray for a spirit of expectation, a spirit of expectation of transformation. And we pray this all now in Jesus' name. Amen.